Hi everyone, it's Gracie with Self Care with Gracie. Welcome back to the podcast. This is a bit of an interesting podcast because I have a, a special guest, uh, someone who's pretty darn special in my life. It's it's my partner Micah. Hi Micah. Hi Gracie. Nice to have you on the podcast. Uh, nice to be on the podcast. Thank oh, you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. I want to give everyone who's listening some backstory is that I've been doing this podcast for about three years and it's very, it's been very scrappy. I would say that, that I was like, I want to make a podcast and I just put it together and put it out there in the world and started interviewing people I knew. And all of a sudden I had a podcast and people were listening to it, which I, I think is a great thing just in general in life, if you want to do something just to do it. But it's been a while, and Micah, who is a, he's a sound person, he's into music and sound quality, he gave me some feedback that, that perhaps it was time for me to get like a real podcasting microphone and the equipment to make the podcast sound slightly more professional. So if you're listening and you're like, wow, it sounds really good, that's, that's thanks to Micah. So thank you for that, Micah. Oh, sure. This is the, uh, this is the anal retention that I think I bring to the relationship. It's needed sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> so we, we, I have, I have a really special guest coming up soon, um, which uh, I'm gonna let there be a little intrigue around who that is. So in, in uh, anticipation of that guest, Micah wanted to help me get the sound better before then, and we thought that it would be great to record a test podcast before then. So actually, as we record this, we're not entirely sure we're going to put it out there in the world. We're going we're gonna to see how it, how it comes together. But the idea was is that um, Mike and I have kind of an interesting story of coming together, and we uh, are just rounding out a pretty emotional past year and a half, but really almost a year since we've been living together. I thought it would be a, a cool idea, and Micah did too, uh, to talk about what we've learned about being in relationship in, in this, this, this past period of time, and to tell you all our backstory if you don't know it, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, are you still on board, Micah? Yeah, I'm still here, still on board, and the only thing that I would add is how ridiculous it is that we're literally sitting about 12 feet apart from each other on Skype, but we're just doing that to try and make sure that your new setup is working. And we have a baby sleeping about 12 feet in the opposite direction of us as well. <laughs> yeah. Just to add to it. And in 12 feet across the way, I'm looking at our neighbors who are, are nuns and they're having like some kind of meeting, which we can see into each other's room. So just to set the scene for everyone, this is a really interesting Saturday night at our place. Yeah, nun party. Micah, do you want to tell the, uh, the listeners who don't know the story a little bit about how we how we ended up getting together and the the magic that ensued? Uh, yeah, by all means. Um, so, geez, it it was I guess four years ago in August um, when I moved into my last apartment in Washington D.C. before we moved into the house where we are now. And I was um, a little bit over a year into recovery. I was going through um, a separation from my now ex-wife. And I'd been really just changing a ton of different things in my life. Uh, and one of those things was that I had started doing yoga. 
including uh, taking actual classes. And I moved about three blocks away from the Yoga District Studio on First Street Northwest. And Gracie was, well, I'm, I'm, am I talking to the audience? Am I talking to you? You were one of the teachers there, and you were one of my uh, favorite teachers, definitely. And developed a little bit of a yoga teacher crush. And um, then you stopped teaching the class that um, I, I had really started to go to regularly, uh, which was a bummer for me. And then lots of time passed, probably two years. And uh, you were stopping teaching. And one of your clients and my coworker who sits about 12 feet away from me at work, this is becoming a theme, um, thought that she would set us up. And it's not that that was completely random. I had mentioned to her a few times that I had a bit of a crush on you. And um, she dropped a bug in your ear and I sent you an email and then we went out and I would like to hear maybe a little bit from your perspective um, what happened at that point. I, I love when you tell the story, when you talk about having a crush on me. That's that's always my favorite part. So I, I like <laughs> this is the, a high point. <laughs> the high point of the story. So you mentioned that a few times. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in a really interesting place that I, I had been, I think around the same time that you were separating from your ex, I was separating from my live-in partner and had gone on um, just a real exploration of myself in the years that, that came after that, where I started doing the self-care business. My father passed away. I, I like really had to go through a lot of what it meant to just get to know myself on like a different level of being single. And I had reached a point in myself where I knew I was okay being single. And um, I also had this sense that I wanted to have a baby. Uh, I was, was about 35 years old, realizing that I had to make a decision on this. And, but I, I had this whole plan worked out from that I was going to have a baby by myself and um, raise it alongside my, my brother and his girlfriend, and we would live on a farm together. So I was, I was like totally relaxed. I totally knew what I wanted and um, wasn't interested in meeting somebody finally. Then um, uh, our a mutual friend, she put us in touch and I had low expectations. I had just gone on so many dates in the past few years. But when I showed up at the restaurant, um, you started to be just talk really honestly about your um, your recovery. And I had just been doing some like similar work in, in 12-step recovery and, and really a lot of soul searching. So I, I just assumed that whoever I had a date with wouldn't get me or understand where I, what I'd been through. All of a sudden, I realized that you did. And you were like fresh off of a 10-day silent meditation retreat. I was like, who is this guy? So <laughs> he's, it was definitely not who I, you know, had imagined you being having practiced yoga and us barely talking over the, the time that we knew each other. Yeah. And so instead of being bored or turned off as I normally was on dates, I, I wanted to talk to you more. And so I was really excited when you wrote me after the first date and uh, asked if I wanted to do it again. Yeah. Awesome. And I actually really skipped over a little piece I, I think you know our, our stories have a lot of parallels and i had taken a solid um, i don't know at least a year maybe even more to really just also get to know myself 
uh, not in a, a relationship with anybody. So I pretty much just shut that entire part of my life down, the romantic part of my life, and um, had done the sort of standard dating app thing for about maybe six months, maybe not even that long before we had our first date. And, you know, I mean, I, I think I enjoy meeting people. Um, I, I feel like I can probably have a pretty fun conversation with just about anybody at least one time. Um, so it wasn't like a, a thoroughly difficult or uh, or an experience that beat me down too badly. But um, still, I I really just felt something very different from you, just in terms of um, yeah, knowing what you wanted. I think that there are just a lot of people out there who are really confused, and they're out there dating around just because it's what they're supposed to be doing, as opposed to. Um, knowing where they're headed with that aspect of their life yeah yeah it's uh it's hard and i I really i want to speak to everyone who's listening who's single and trying to make sense of what that means because i think that was like a big part of um every long period of time in my life that i've been single and there have been stretches that have been years long there's just a lot of um a lot of things I like about it, but I feel like societally it's so hard to be single, especially once you start to get up into your 30s and 40s when your friends are partnering off and having kids, that it takes just a, a kind of radical self-acceptance to do that. And um, and that's not something that you just snap your fingers and do. I think it takes a lot of work to get to that yeah. point. And it's funny because it's like every time when I've gotten to that, it's happened a couple times in my life. Um, just as soon as I was like, you know, I really don't need anybody. I'm fine. It's like immediately I would meet somebody. <laughs> and so I think I was really, I should have looking back known that like I was setting myself up to like actually go into the next relationship. But I, there was always that feeling of scarcity when I was single of like, well, I'm never going to meet somebody who like is kind of sees life the way that I do and has done the personal work on themselves and doesn't have a ton of baggage. And, and then I, when I met you, I was like, Oh, you just, you make so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) But I've I've got plenty of baggage. It's, uh, uh, it's not that uh, there's any lack of baggage here. I don't think, um, maybe it's just that, uh, it's been unpacked and strewn all over the room and rifled through quite a bit. Yes. Yes. That that's what I was understanding that I needed in a partner, not someone who was totally repressed, but someone who like knew, <laughs> knew what the demons were about. Um, so okay, so the story actually gets more interesting. If if you're if you're wondering what happens next, um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna take this next leg here. That we um, we started dating and I, I enjoyed it. We had ate sushi a lot and went and saw movies. And then the election happened. Um, we had been dating a little less than two months at that point. Um, and it had been, you know, we hadn't really defined who we were and what we were doing. And all of a sudden, I just was like, I need to I need to know where you're at. So I had this kind of intense phone conversation with Micah where I, um, with you, where I was like, either you're my boyfriend or we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> What what was it like for you to hear me kind of demand what I wanted? Um, well, fortunately, I was pretty much in a place where I was 
interested in, in wanting that. So I it certainly didn't freak me out at all, and I was happy to be officially sort of a couple with you. So I mean, I I no 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 big crazy answer there. Um, I think I was ready for that step and um, grateful that you just grabbed the bull by the horns. Yes. Yeah. I just, I, I was realizing that I had absolutely zero tolerance for men that were not just completely on board with, with uh, something positive and something supportive. And I, I, I just want to say that also to, to all the, especially, and I'm not going to gender it. Like if, um, if you're with somebody and you want something more for them, like the work is to actually demand it and ask for it. And if they are worth it, they will rise to the occasion and meet you in that, or at least give you a good plan for when they can make themselves available to you. But I, I think I just spent so much time afraid of asking for what I wanted in relationships and it set us off on, um, well, a pretty good foot. So will, will you, uh, take the next part yeah and, and I think I would also um, just say too that in a situation like that uh, it, I think it can be easy to perhaps maybe get yourself flustered when you are asking for those kinds of things and uh, a way to perhaps maybe disarm yourself and disarm the other person so you can have a more honest um, more potentially fulfilling conversation is to really talk about what you want um, as opposed to um, either blaming or accusing the other person. It's, it's more what your wants, what your needs are. That I feel like that's almost universally more constructive. So. I love that we're like giving dating advice on this. This is not what I was expecting to do. <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's like we learned a lot in like our, our separations and um, explorations of relationships. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and being in like six and a half years of therapy and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was post-election. Um, I had this really big project for work that I was I was working on that all uh, led up to this big event on December first of twenty sixteen. And I think I was just in a bit of denial about just how massive a thing um, the election of, of our 45th president was. And so I was just kind of plowing ahead a little bit unaware of perhaps my own feelings and a lot of the things that people around me and across the country were feeling. Um, and then I think all of that started to seep in a, a little bit more um and i was feeling a little bit more maybe vulnerable and uh, um i don't, I don't want to say pessimistic um, i think that probably started to build maybe a few months later but i was i was really starting to just feel my feelings a lot more about what was going on in the world and um Let's see, where to jump to? Um, we weren't able to spend the holidays together, and I flew to visit my mom in San Diego on, I think, the 20th of December, 21st of December. And I woke up the following morning to a text message on my phone that was from 
you, Gracie, and it said something to the effect of, please call me when you get this. I hope you're having a nice visit with your mom. <laughs> Which is always like the, that always will make your stomach drop. Um, I, 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 I fully admit that my immediate reaction was, oh man, what did I do now? Um, and then I was about to get it. Um, so I called you as soon as I possibly could and you said to me, okay, I really need to say something to you and I just have to get it out. So would you please just let me say what I need to say and then we can talk about it after. And I said, that's fine. And you said, well, um, I was having some physical things going on with me related to my um, monthly cycle and it was different than normal so I went and got a pregnancy test and I am pregnant and it you know for one of those life defining life changing moments um, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like time stopped and like the camera zoomed in on my face real close it, it, it was it just seemed pretty like yeah um that it's it, it just didn't it wasn't a moment that did not make sense it wasn't a moment that necessarily made sense but it also wasn't uh it also didn't not make sense that's the only way that i think i can put it that uh really starts to get it at the way that i was thinking and feeling at that moment and i i mean i was excited um, but I think I also wanted to sort of be a little bit on guard um, just for myself and just to not let the initial emotional reaction in the moment um, sort of get the best of me and get on top of me. I think I wanted to be cognizant of the fact that it was so big and that I was going to need to sort of sift through everything that was coming up for me. Um, but I think that uh, we had a, a really good conversation and, um, I'd, I'd like to hear your perceptions of it, but my sense was that we came out of it basically like, okay, we're, there's going to be a baby. It's going to be our baby. And, um, we're going to figure out, um, how to make all of this work. But figuring all that out was what we sort of just left very open-ended by the end of that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, there there were just so many unknowns in that moment, um, and the same thing for me when I like got the pregnancy test and saw, I was so like when I took that test like, this, I'm not pregnant. I can't be pregnant. Ninety percent <laughs> sure I'm not pregnant. And then when it came up, both tests came up positive. I was like, okay, it was just a, it was a game changer. And it was it was interesting because it was what I wanted. It was just so so not planned and expected. Mm -hmm. But I felt so much clarity, too, around, like, okay, I'm 35 years old. Like, this, it's, it is time to have a baby, and this, we're going to make this work. Yep. Um, and I think that's really the difference about getting knocked up when you're 35 years old versus, like, 19, is that th yep. the world really supports that they, you know, people, my mom was, like, so excited. <laughs> I, I told my mom before I told Mike I called her that morning. She, no, we had a weekly time that we talk, and so she calls me at, like, 8.30 a.m. the next morning, and I just couldn't even pretend. And she was like, great, you, you, can, you can have this baby, it's fine. So I think by the time I talked to you on the West Coast when you had woken up, it was, um, 
I just felt like it, you know, I knew exactly not how it was all going to play out, but I knew I wanted the baby. I knew I wanted you to be involved. I knew that we could make it work. And I knew that, um, we didn't need to like know a lot, but we just had to do it. And so again, coming into that with a lot of clarity was, was very helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for everybody, I think if I was kind of seeing how you felt so I could make my decision, like that wasn't going to work. Like I had to be like fiercely decided that I wanted to have a baby and I was. And so I I didn't know how you would react. I think I thought you'd be angry. That was my thought. It was (laughs) like, you're going to be angry. You're going to have a lot of feelings and you're just going to need some time. So I was like, I'm going to tell you this. And you just take all the time that you need and process it. It's a huge thing. And so I was surprised that, like, within the span of a pretty short conversation, you had pivoted, not even pivoted, that you were like, I'm excited about that. I remember you asking, like, am I allowed to go to the midwives with you? I was like, yeah, you, yeah, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're having a baby together. That's what happens. Uh, I don't remember that at all. But, yeah, um... yeah. But we, I mean, we were so new to dating at the time. Um, yeah. It was um, pretty much three months, give or take, from our first date when we were having that conversation. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I maybe you want to add a little bit about what happened between, I believe, our first and second date when you went to Orlando and saw your shaman. Oh, it's such a funny story. So um, I don't know if all the listeners out there know that I have a shaman. Uh, someone that I met a long time ago in Peru and he continues to be part of my life in um, pretty magical ways. So he comes through the States. It's funny. He's actually in DC this weekend. We're going to see him tomorrow, but we, I was down in Orlando visiting some friends and he was there putting together a fire ceremony. And it was, it was like this, the big hurricane weekend there. And he had like wanted to do this like really special offering where he took a melon and he hollowed it out and he put like honey and dates and it was just this like oozing melon that to like kind of uh, an offering to the universe to like not hit things so hard with the hurricane. And he, uh, when the time came to put it in the fire, he was like, Gracie, come put this in the fire. And he hands it to me and he's like, it's time for you to be a mom. Like this, this is it. And I, I, like, started crying. It was really emotional. He's like, you should put it in the fire. And I, like, kind of didn't want to. I felt, like, a lot of resistance around it and a lot of emotion. And finally, I put it in the fire. And uh, he, he takes a little bit of responsibility when I talk to him. <laughs> well done. And, of course, you didn't tell me about any of this um, leading up to us actually getting knocked up either. So... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know there's only so much you can tell somebody when you're dating for two months and you you, you get pregnant together <laughs> things have to come out over time i mean you didn't want to lead off on our second date with so yeah florida was cool the shaman maybe throw a melon in the fire so that i would have a baby you know normal stuff <laughs> i think i did that and then it went out of my mind too it's, <laughs> that stuff like that always works the best that way you do something kind yeah. of magical and then you forget about it and you realize yeah afterwards but um i just have to say micah i you just rolled so well with so many things in this (laughs) first few months like looking back now like uh you've been pretty steady through this whole thing and i think uh like how you how you started our relationship is really who you are as a person Man, I I just don't have a lot of time for hiding from people anymore. I just did so much of that for so many years. And 
it's exhausting and I just I want to be seen for who I am by at least one person on this earth and um you know I've just felt completely comfortable um pretty much all the time just being me with you so thank you for that it's a real honor I love it yeah and I I feel the same way except it's I would say it's still uncomfortable to like be in a relationship and I never I can never be anyone I'm not with you like it's, it doesn't <laughs> seem to work very well yeah playing games has never worked well with you which was frustrating for me at first and then <laughs> ultimately liberating but yeah sometimes it's like hard to be seen I'm like ugh. like especially you know we've been through a lot together in this past year yeah. we've, we've um We've moved, like carried boxes. I've gotten super pregnant in your presence. Um, you caught a baby that came out of my vagina. Yep. Um, Without any professional support in the immediate vicinity. Yes. We, we had a home birth that um, went a little bit quicker than anticipated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of adrenaline. And I think you were ultimately very relieved the second after everything had, had gone down and I'm just running around the house like a chicken with its head cut off. Um, but then the birth team came, you know, 10 minutes later and then we were just sort of in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the theme of our whole relationship and um, our family now is things can move very quickly and that's not, necessarily a bad thing and it's actually been a pretty great experience um yeah. so we we kind of fast forward a lot in there um we have we have a, a really beautiful baby jonah who's uh seven and a half months old and he's uh he's growing teeth and he's wanting to cr not wanting to crawl kind of wanting to crawl we're not sure he really wants to walk he wants to just skip crawling and just start running marathons i think he's uh he is you know he takes in our he follows in our footsteps just <laughs> quickly moving through the steps of things um yeah and i yeah i'm curious like from you like what what have you learned in this past year like what's um since finding out you were going to become a dad and becoming a dad and moving through these i kind of feel like we're really out of the postpartum we're really out of like the, almost the infancy stage, like we're moving into something really different. Mm -hmm. So what's, what feels like, how have you changed? Um, wow. I, I mean, I, I really love our family, uh, in this way that I just never could have conceived of prior to us being a family. Um, I think that I don't get as worked up about certain things, particularly probably professionally as I used to. Um, not that I was super um, uneven or, uh, you know, I, I feel like I was pretty even keeled at work uh, prior to all of this, but I think I just really like, got a lot of my identity from from my work and I feel like I still do to an extent but I just really also feel a massive identity shift in myself to caregiver and father and I just love that kid 
so much and when he his face lights up when you walk into a room it's just there's nothing like that moment um funny enough i i just i just feel so similar to the way that i've always felt though i i just i still really feel like me um my my sense is that i uh can hold things really tightly, um, but also be letting them go at the same time. And I think that my, that, that is the, the practice with, that I have with our child is like, I just get so much incredible joy, um, and, uh, frustration from parenting and watching him and being with him. Um, and I, I hold that all really close because you've, that's that's what we're driven to do as as animals that reproduce um so that we can raise them in a in a way so that they grow up and thrive but they're also going to grow up and thrive you hope so the practice for me is is to really start letting him go even right now um i feel like he's on loan to us from the universe and um he's ours but he's not ours and um so i there's just so many different things, unexpected things, expected things. Um, and I just sort of feel like, you know, buckle up because it's just going to keep uh, changing uh, potentially at faster and faster clips too. So I would really like to hear more about um, how you've changed and what you've learned about yourself and life over the last seven and a half months or, or year. Yeah, Thanks for what you said. Were you crying when you said it? No, I was. Uh, I was trying to keep it together. Mike is a big softy. In uh... I am not. <laughs> um, I just feel like that needs to really be be known and uh, to to everyone out there listening right now. Oh, it's 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 a really wonderful quality. And I feel so lucky to have you as a partner and, um, yeah, baby daddy. <laughs> oh, what have I learned? Um, I mean, I, I really resonated with what you said that I, it's like, I kind of feel like myself still like it's, it's like, it's weird. Like what a crazy identity shift it is just in terms of how I spend my time and how I order my priorities and how vulnerable I feel, how I see the world, um, all of that. And I don't feel like it's really changed who I am in the essence and actually feel like it's just really refined. Um, it's, it's taken away the things that were, I was ready to be done with and not that those things didn't serve like an immense purpose while I was in them, but it's made me just get really clear on what my priorities are. And it's, it's just not even an option for me to order anything above Jonah. Like the only thing that even comes close is my self-care. And the only reason that it comes that close is because I know that if I don't do it, then none of this works. And the moments in the postpartum that where I, I did let the self-care go and that wasn't, that, I mean, it's just, it's so easy when there's so many, you know, when I'm caring for a newborn for so long, and especially when you started to go back to work, Micah, um, it, it it just I, things would start to fall apart not so much outside but inside of myself and I, it's really shown me that it's um it's non-negotiable 
that I take care of myself, not because I, I need it as much as the people around me really need it. So when I was single and not as many things were depending on me, I could have a bad few days and it didn't really matter. And I, I, I really feel the effects when I'm not in alignment with myself and I'm not, um, yeah, taking care of myself. So it's pushed me to go deeper into my self-care uh, and in some important ways that I probably wouldn't have been motivated to do on my own. And I, I, um, I was expecting to love him, but I mean, wow, I really love him. Yeah. I'm going to start crying now. He's just such a, <laughs> he's such a sweet little human being. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if every parent feels this way about their kids, but he is so curious and so delighted by everything that he sees and so kind of full in his emotions. And, um, I like, I love hanging out with him. It's exhausting. And there are definitely moments where I put him down for his nap and I'm just like so relieved to have a couple of hours where I'm not, but then I'm always missing him by the end of a nap. But if, if it's, if it's longer than like 45 minutes, I start missing him. <laughs> yeah. We, we frequently joke by the time it's like nine thirty at night, he's been asleep for two and a half hours. We're like, let's go wake him up and hang out. And he would be so happy with that. He's like always happy to see us. And I know it won't always be that way. It, feel, it feels precious <laughs> because I feel the passing of time already. And, um, and I, th I think something else that's changed for me being a parent is just really seeing how everybody is somebody's child. This is just, mm -hmm. that feels so vulnerable that, you know, I think before when I would hear about things happening, I'd be like, oh, you know, that's them. And it was like a more of a, like a, a boundary or shield between me and them and now and I'm like oh my god even if it's someone who's grown up I'm like that was somebody's child you know like some mother out there you know maybe maybe didn't wasn't as crazy about them as I was but maybe they were um but still that that is like it's just a really special it's a really vulnerable deep connection to to bring yeah. a child in this world and the responsibility that I think we both feel for making sure that he's okay and that's that carries like a lot of weight with it too. Thank you for sharing all that too, and um, I'm really grateful for you and to be with someone who is really cognizant of what they need to show up for themselves and the people in their lives. Um, it's not something that I take for granted, and I certainly don't take lightly. Um, so thank you. It's. It's my pleasure. We have a, we have a lot more to go to. This could be the yeah. first of, of a series of, of podcasts. Yeah, and and I if I could just say something about my self care too. Um, I feel like I had a really steady self care routine that I may or may not have described in those terms. Um, you know, when we started dating each other and involved lots of cultivating peace in the mornings, especially um, yoga and meditation and just sort of being very spacious and, and, and um, intentional with my mornings, doing some writing, some, some reading, and that just all has fallen by the wayside um, since Jonah was born, definitely, but even a little bit, you know, after we moved in together, just because there was just so much to, to take care of. And I don't want to take for granted that I can 
let things like that go and be fine. But I also want to note that I am very fundamentally fine, even though I've not been able to find this time and space for those things. And that's probably, I have not found or made the time and space for those things. And it's not something that I want to fall into for, you know, in perpetuity, but, um, I just think it's really important for me to not beat myself up about not doing all the things that in uh, maybe a weaker moment, I'm like, I should be doing that um, because I'm getting filled up from so many other things in my life right now. Um, but that said, life is topsy-turvy and it would be optimal, I think, for me to go back to having some of those sort of um, elements as as sort of like the tent poles that kind of hold up um, my experience from, from day to day and help me stay centered and present for, for others too. Thanks for speaking about that. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I, the whole, I, we talk a, a little bit about like male self care cause uh, people probably know that I only work with women at this point. And, um, and it's, I think I just, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I think we need more men just talking about their own self-care journeys because I learned yeah. so much from listening to people talk about their self-care. So thanks for just putting it out there. And yeah, we got, we got a lot ahead of us. A lot we of sure do. opportunities <laughs> for self-care to ebb and flow yep. in there. But I, I agree that like, even, even when it's kind of been bad, it's still okay. And that's, I think that's the power of love, honestly. That's just like, mm -hmm. my heart is in that love space way more often than it was before, even though I, I did have lots of love in my life before, but I think it's just like, it's, it just comes in so much deeper at this point. And that, that's like, you know, for, that's the, what's the Rumi quote, um, let love melt all of your practices. <laughs> so I think you're living that out right now. Uh, something tells me that before he starts, um, you know, rebelling and being like, I hate you, mom and dad, when he's like 14 or 15 years old, I probably need to bring some of those strands back into into my life. But um, yeah, I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying. And, and it makes really good sense. And um, yeah, I'm very blessed to have lots of men who are, are um, comfortable with their vulnerability in, in my life and that's helped me in, in cultivating this um, I just could not possibly have done it without them um, so thank you for making me reflect on how special that is and now you get to be one of those men that teaches other men about it and I think this is we've talked about this before this is the work of women you know a little bit but I think men really need role models from other men of how to be um, how to be tender and how that's like a really strong thing actually it takes yeah. a lot of strength to hold vulnerability and to um, to be nurturing and so many men haven't been nurtured or they feel like it's, it's like so embarrassing to even think about it um, like talking to another man about it but I think the, the modeling in that way so it's just really sweet always when I watch you with Jonah like, oh, that's what you, you like all little boys need to just have that much like affection and love from their dad it's really I think we're moving into an age when that's okay it's like the toxic masculinity is hopefully settling down more and more yeah and I'm just so pleased with how much 
I do see dads on the street being extremely affectionate with their kids. Um, and I know, you know, it, it's, it's, we're kind of between a little bit of a rock and a hard place. We need to like reinforce that, but it's also that we don't, um, want to give dads like tons and tons of credit for things that are just kind of expected of moms too. So it's, it's this interesting in between place where I feel like we are as a culture right now. And I'm interested to see how things evolve. Me too. So Micah, I always end these podcast interviews with one question. So I'm going to ask that question to you. Um, right now in this moment, what does self-care mean for you? Oh man, I should have studied up and realized that you always ask this question at the end of your podcast. Um, self-care in this moment really, I think means being open to the moment and so letting things in and not letting myself get buffeted around and thrown way off center. And I think that's all really abstract, um, but I think it, it does come back to what you were saying and then the Rumi quote, uh, which I'm going to get wrong, but let love melt all of your practices or something like that. I, I think that's, what, that's like a quote of somebody else, but yeah, something like that. Um, I think... Uh, just letting things in right now and I think really feeling life more than anything else and you know I, I don't know that I could point to an action or a mindset um, or a way of approaching things that's too much more concrete than that but it really just feels like a moment where um, I'm just staying open to everything yeah i like that well that i think this is it is i i think we should put this podcast out in the world what do you think yeah i mean why why the heck not all right well i hope i hope all the, the all of you out there listening um heard something that you needed to hear and that you take take a little time to let in something in your life and that might be uh somebody calling you up with some surprise news that you just welcome in or um really taking taking a um a big courageous risk and asking for what you want in a relationship or taking time to be consciously single without putting yourself out there but a relationship has always just been such a huge way that i've grown in my self-care in hard ways and um and in really wonderful ways like with micah so it's uh it's a fun theme to explore with you Thanks yeah. thanks for being here. Thanks for being here and, and thanks for being you. Aw, right back at you. All right, everyone, keep taking care of yourself. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. 
Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.